The passage today comes from Psalm 23, and it is the lectionary text for this Sunday, which is the fourth Sunday in Lent. I'll be reading from the Inclusive Bible. Here's the 23rd Psalm. Yahweh, you are my shepherd. I want nothing more. You let me lie down in green meadows. You lead me beside restful waters. You refresh my soul. You guide me to lush pastures for the sake of your name. Even though I am surrounded by shadows of death, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they give me courage. You spread a table for me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in your house, Yahweh, for days without end. We hear the voice of God through these words. Thanks be to God. And one of the best things we can be reminded of in this season that we call Lent is, uh, interestingly enough, that death necessarily precedes resurrection and new life. Lenten practices like fasting, perhaps, invite us to die to ourselves in different ways while focusing our attention on repentance and godliness, which Matthew preached about a week or two ago. I recall one of the first times I read the 23rd Psalm at a funeral. A 10-year-old boy in North Houston had died of leukemia, and the family had no church, no pastor. And a local funeral home called my church office and asked if I could provide care for the family and conduct the funeral service. Now, I was a youth minister in a small suburban church in Spring at the time on the north side of Houston. And in terms of this particular service, I was in way over my head pastorally. Just like a few weeks before that, when I had done a funeral for the same funeral home uh, for the family of a college girl that took her own life, very sadly. I felt ill-equipped to handle these situations pastorally at the time. Although I had had some training in seminary, nothing prepares you to help a parent bury their child. Thankfully, I leaned on resources from an amazing pastoral care professor in seminary named Dr. Dan Bagby, who used to pastor 7th and James Baptist Church in Waco. He had a helpful handout, which I still have and I keep handy, titled, What Not to Say to a Grieving Person. I could have a whole sermon series on that. And I would review that handout before the first dozen funerals that I did. Also, in my inexperience, I leaned heavily on what seemed, in terms of scripture text, things that were familiar. And when I would ask a family what scripture they wanted to read for the service, or if there was any particular verse or set of passages that was meaningful to their deceased loved one, many would not have a quick answer. And I would often suggest the 23rd Psalm as an appropriate passage. More traditional translations in the English read, The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. I used to have to read the psalm for fear of missing a word or a phrase, especially at a gravesite. But now it is familiar to me, like an old friend or a favorite blanket, maybe. It brings comfort in certain ways. And many consider the 23rd Psalm a funeral psalm, but it only rose to prominence in funerals in Western Christianity during the 20th century. In the Greek Septuagint and the Latin Vulgate, those are Bible translations that predate the King James by hundreds of years, this psalm is actually labeled Psalm 22, which is interesting. And Jewish observers traditionally sing this psalm during Shabbat meals. And in the Orthodox Church, it's recited as a prayer before the Eucharist, which is a fancy theological word for communion. Many would consider Psalm 23 to be an Easter psalm because it has themes of contentment and refreshment and new life. But as I previously mentioned, it is one of the lectionary readings for this Sunday in Lent. One of the reasons the psalm resonates with so many is no doubt the beautiful imagery used by the psalmist. Green pastures, still waters, dark valleys, a shepherd's crook, a delicious feast. It's a psalm that brings all of the senses into play with imagery. And two images have jumped out to me over the years as I've studied the meaning of these words more deeply. The traditional English translations of verse 4 refer to the valley of the shadow of death. I was preparing to speak on this passage yet again at another funeral many years ago. And I kind of had a, a reflection or an epiphany around the imagery there. If there is a shadow in a valley, it usually comes from a large hill or a mountain. And when the sun is behind a mountain, if you've ever been skiing or to the mountains in Colorado, we used to live in Virginia and we were near the Appalachian Mountains. And reflecting on the times I've been close to mountains, when the sun is behind a mountain, the opposite side of the mountain and the valley beneath the mountain can get dark quite quickly. And death, as it's pictured in the psalm, may seem like an insurmountable thing to deal with, but the good news is there is divine light on the other side. In verse 5, the author writes about God preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Again, traditional English translation. Many of the churches of my youth were not only filled with fundamentalism, but toxic masculinity. Oh, you too? Well, growing up, I heard several pastors preach this passage and teach that God would set up a feast before my enemies in order to make them jealous and to shame them. The passage was taught as some kind of divinely endorsed gloating. But I think that's pretty far off from the meaning at this point. And as I've grown in my own understanding, I see the passage in terms of the wider context of Scripture. What's labeled in English translations today is Psalm 22, 
begins with the words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Words that Christ, according to the gospel, spoke from the cross. Perhaps he was quoting the 22nd Psalm. So the same person that wrote, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Apparently wrote, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Have you ever gone through a season of feeling God forsaken and then gone through a season where you feel like God is providing everything you need? I think too of the psalm at this point in terms of Revelation 20 and 21, where the Bible says that uh, in the end, when God's reign is complete, the lion will lay down with the lamb. And thinking of God as a shepherd and Christ as the good shepherd, as the Gospels teach. You know, sharing a meal in the ancient Near East was a central part of peace negotiations and treaty making. And God in the psalm uh, is setting the table not so David can gloat in victory, but so that he can make peace and no divine provision. What does all this have to do with Lent? What does it have to do with me? What does it have to do with you? Well, new life and resurrection cannot come apart from death and dying. God desires to do a new thing in each of us and in all of our hearts and in all of our lives and to birth something new and fresh and beautiful in our world through this messed up thing we call church. I believe that with all my heart or I wouldn't be on staff at this church and probably wouldn't have very much to do with any church. But I believe that God desires to work in and through the church. And I just wonder, in this season that we call Lent, if we connect it very often, that before Easter, before we get to Easter, that resurrection cannot come apart from death and dying. And so the question that comes to my mind in this sense is, is there a way that I'm attempting to die to self in this season of Lent, in these weeks leading up to Easter? And to the extent that I am or am not attempting to die to myself, just very New Testament Pauline kind of language, I wonder if I can experience resurrection, if I can experience new life in the way that God wants me to. Sometimes we might feel like a part of us is dying, aside from the finality of death itself. We could feel like a part of us is dying if we feel alone or feel forgotten. We might feel like a part of us is dying if we realize that a long-term relationship has permanently changed because we've chosen to be our authentic selves. We might feel like part of us is dying because of something like an unrealized hope or dream. Like that old Spike TV show. There are a thousand ways to die. 
Apparently, the same person that wrote Psalm 23 wrote Psalm 22. And so one of the things that that teaches us is that we can go from feeling like we have been forsaken, even by God, that we wish, you know, death would be better than living this life. And we can go from being in that mentality and feeling that way to feeling like God is so near and so comforting and that God has provided everything that we need. And I don't know if you're on a spectrum somewhere between those two extremes this Sunday, but wherever you might fall on that spectrum of feeling God's comfort and provision or feeling like God is not near at all, just know that that's natural and that's okay. And there's nothing to feel ashamed about. And even the authors of scripture felt the same way. That in and of itself brings me some comfort. And so if you are feeling God forsaken this Lenten season or wondering when some good might come from the pain and the trauma that you've experienced in your life, know that you're not alone. And know that God, the good shepherd, is with you and is for you. At this point, a facilitator at your watch party location will lead you through some discussion questions. And my hope for each of you and for us as a church family today is that we feel, uh, even when we feel death or darkness draw near, that we can trust in God's provision and the hope of resurrection, and find comfort in that. Amen.